you know, sometimes you don't, like, think, you don't, like, stop and think, like, hey, where you're not here now, like, this is what you wanted yeah. so many years ago. You know, like, in the beauty world and whatever, I was, like, nobody, you know, um, back then. And, or, or before even I started, I was watching these other girls doing it, and I was, like, God, you know, one day, I wish I was there, like, would anyone even follow me? Would anyone, you know, imagine getting, like, free makeup? Oh, my God. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And... Now all that is happening. Hey everyone, and welcome back to our interview series, Survivors, where we profile successful brown creatives that have been making their mark. This week, we have Sharifa Eastman. She's a model that's worked with CoverGirl and Armani, a comedian and social media personality, and a mental health advocate. This interview is really close to my heart because A, Sharifa's really fucking funny, and B, as some of you may know, my wife Rhea is a singer who's done some really amazing things. Part of my supporting her is reaching out to folks that I think she could collaborate with, or folks that would just be a positive addition to her support base. Sharifa was one of those people. It's no secret that Rhea loves Sharifa. I mean, they're both Bengali. They just, they have a lot in common. They're really funny. And so I decided to reach out one day and see if I could connect them. And because Sharifa is who she is, she responded, and she's been a supporter ever since. You simply can't find the type of genuine support Sharifa's given Rhea, and we're grateful for that. Enough of this mushy shit, though. I really, really hope you enjoyed this interview. It was recorded pre-COVID, so you can hear Sharifa in all her glory, and she is hilarious. Editing was hard because so many of the segments were amazing, but we wanted to make sure we kept it on point for you ADD motherfuckers. So without further ado, here's Sharifa. Where do you start? Um, I don't know. On a hot day in Malish, <laughs> September 20th, I was born. Um, and then when I was five, we came here to Brooklyn. I've been here ever since. So here we go. A familiar story. Sharifa is not born here in the U.S., but she comes here very early on in her life when she's five years old with her four other siblings and her two parents. They immigrate to Brooklyn, which... You know, if you're from there, you might consider that the strongest borough, what have you. But she's been there her whole life, except for a short stint when she lived in the Bronx that she did not want to talk about. Which I understand. No disrespect to the Bronx, but I understand. Her mom's a stay-at-home mom. I still don't understand how she does it. <laughs> did it with, like, four kids, not knowing English, not knowing a lot. But she actually took, um, she would bring us home from school. And then after my dad came home, she went back to my school, my elementary school, and took evening English classes to learn. So she could un- help us with, like, homework and, like, all this stuff. So um, she's amazing. And then, and, and then later, a few years later, she decided she was kind of bored. We were a little bit more grown, so she wanted to do something else. And she became like a home care aide. And that's something we're all pretty familiar with. Our parents come here with nothing. They, you know, they struggle to to raise us. And then even once they're kind of at that point where they could be a little bit more comfortable, they still want to keep doing more stuff. They just cannot stop. So what about her dad? And then my dad's a contractor um, and he learned it all on his own. He actually started working when he was like 12. Basically, his parents were like, Okay, you you go now and make money for us at twelve. Wow. Um, yeah. So and he went to like the Middle East. He went. He lived in Germany for a while, and then he came to America. He was able to like buy a house and do all these things from essentially nothing as a twelve-year-old. You know. She brings up a she brings up a good point early on. I mean, 
if you know me, you know I'm no stranger to just shitting on older people and how they've ruined so many things for us. But then when you really think about it, and of course this comes with age, um, I don't know that I could survive the same way that they did. You know, I mean, think about the problems that our generation has a lot of the times, besides cleaning up the mistakes of the, of the generations before us. But like, oh my God, did I get enough likes on my picture? Oh my God, what, you know, what social justice cause am I trying to champion and blow all my funds on this week? Like, oh my God, the problems are so different. And I don't know how any of us would survive if we just had to pick up one day and go to a foreign country and just start from scratch. Like, how does that even, how does that even work? The whole, like, we sacrificed a lot for you thing, it's not, it's not just them saying it and nagging us, it's real. I don't think any of us could ever really, like, um, when we think about how privileged and pampered we are compared to them, like, I could never. I was actually curious if Sharifa had any memories of growing up in Bangladesh, because I kind of don't remember anything from my childhood, and that's that's a whole different story that we've we've developed over the course of you know the podcast. But I was curious if she remembered anything about Bangladesh, and to all our Bangladeshi Bengali listeners, because I I hear that's two separate things. I don't I don't know, you know, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. But to all all you guys who who speak that language and are from that particular area and all that sort of stuff, you'll like this next part. Um, so we're from the village, like straight up Nokali. <laughs> And yeah, and I I hate um, hate. I don't want to say hate because last time I said I didn't like Dhaka, I got like so many people. <laughs> How could you? You're not a Tupanga. So um, not hate. I just am not the you know fondest of it. But uh, the first time we went back in seventh grade, we went straight from the airport, passed by Dhaka a little bit. I couldn't breathe. It was like way bad and worse back then. Um, it's definitely improved a lot. But we went straight to the village, and it's so cheesy. But it was just like another home that I forgot about, kind of thing. I don't know. I just I love it. It's beautiful and it's it's amazing. The people are. I mean, not, no one's perfect, obviously, but there's, like, something. Like, there's this warmth there, you know, that you really can't find here. But that's how they are right. in Malish. You go to someone's house, even if they don't have a lot, whatever they have, they'll give you. Side note, that's really funny that you Bengali people call it Gram. We call it a gam, and I just... That that makes me laugh, you know? Gram is kind of like a gram. Like, so then how do you say you want a, a gram of Coke? Like, you, I want a gram of Coke? Like, I don't... That's stupid. That's a stupid joke. But I just thought it was really funny. And speaking of funny, that's a great segue into discussing how Sharifa got her start and turned into who she is today. Wow, Kanal, that is a brilliant fucking segue. Did you plan that? No. No, I did not. So how did you start, Sharifa? You know, most of my work is uh, beauty and um, like makeup and whatever. But every time I meet someone, it's always like your comedy is why I follow you. exactly. And I'm like, just yeah. don't tell the brands that. <laughs> like, and that's why. Um, no, actually, so that's actually what I really wanted to do was I've always want, loved acting and everything. So, um, and I, I wanted to do YouTube for a long time ever since I discovered it. Um, I think around college, I got really into it. Um, but I never really thought anyone would want to follow me. Then I had my son, um, and then a few months after I had him, I um, went through postpartum depression. It was pretty bad. Um, I went to therapy, and I was still in therapy, but I was kind of, like, coming out of that, um, the fog of it all. 
And I remember just telling myself, like, you're going to get back into it. If you're not doing what you want to do, like, there was just so much creative energy inside of me. I just wanted to do something, you know, uh, and I wasn't able to do any of that. So I was like, you know, you could still be a mom, but you could still do something else. Like, go out there and YouTube sounds like a perfect thing. Make videos from home. So I started this these, like, um, comedy, like, videos. You guys are going to love this next part. What was their first video about? And was it successful? Funny enough... The first ever comedy video I made was making fun of beauty gurus. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, so I, and it, the only people who really watched it were my sisters and I, like a few Facebook friends. And they were like, oh my God, this is going to go viral. It had like 200 views. <laughs> 199 were mine. <laughs> We've all been there. I'm still there. So, you know, I definitely understand that. Sharifa, you know, in our discussion, she she brought up a good point that around that time when she started first creating her YouTube videos, there were a lot of prank videos. People were just really trying to one-up themselves into getting more views and views and views. And, and she felt, you know, she couldn't keep up with that. I, I think to a certain extent that that's still the case today. It's not as crazy. I mean, prank videos aren't as prevalent as they were, but you can definitely get discouraged when you're putting a lot of time and effort into creating really great pieces of content and then somebody just like decides to take a picture hitting themselves in the head with a brick and like that goes viral. So I got kind of discouraged and I stopped for a while and I got back into just just watching and just being a viewer. And then uh, I started Instagram and I remember posting just random makeup looks and I followed a lot of um, makeup people like beauty gurus they're not called gurus anymore but like influencers content creators and stuff um and there was this one i followed she was having like um a beauty contest right so you just like repost do a makeup look and she would repost it use a hashtag whatever so i got reposted and it was like my first time i ever got reposted and i got like 50 new followers and i was like oh my god i have like 70 followers now like i'm gonna be famous and then i just got the ball rolling so it was that, and then I entered into like another beauty contest, and I also got that. I don't know what was going on, but through that, slowly, um, South Asian girls were finding me, and that really was what did it because these girls were they were following me, and they were like, "Oh my God, you know, uh, I I wanted to know like what foundation will look good on me, and or what lipstick will look good on me, and it looks good on you, so it must look good on me," and that's that's where it started. So Sharifa starts amassing a following. There's clearly a vacuum in that area. You know, there's there's girls with her skin tone who don't quite know what they should do for makeup. And and Sharifa's able to fill that vacuum. It's something I tell anybody who's talked to me for more than 30 seconds all the time, that there is a vacuum for brown content. And all these companies just love to act like that doesn't exist or that, you know, that they're great business people, except business is all about exploiting a vacuum. And basically all you do is ignore a population. So yeah, you guys are real great, real, real awesome. But then Sharifa keeps it really fucking real, which is something I appreciate so much about her. Funny enough, I look back when I look back on it now and I talk about it, I think like, oh my God, all these like girls were coming at me and they were like asking me to do videos. When I scroll back to my posts, it's like three comments. Oh. They're like, <laughs> it's, like it's like, can you post a video? Like three people. And for me, it was like, oh my God, oh, this is getting so much. Like, I'm a little, I'm a overwhelmed. overwhelming. So many people. Needless to say, she went on to amass a great following. She's been the face of CoverGirl. She's worked on campaigns for Armani. Like, 
she's doing her thing. Building a fan base like that is something I can't even imagine. So many people nowadays like will go viral, you know, like these 15-year-old kids are just going, like, exploding. But I did it the old-fashioned way, slow and steady, as slow as possible. Um, No sort of gimmicks or anything like that. I mean, I remember in the beginning there used to be, like, all these, like, like, really sketchy kind of ways to grow. Um, And... You know, I, I thought they would be okay, but I never really participated in anything like that. I, I never had, like, a huge explosion of growth like that. It was always pretty slow, pretty steady, and that's the way I wanted it because now um, the people who follow me, they're following me not because I went, like, super viral or, like, randomly for whatever reason. It, they just follow me because they just happen upon And I think that's a really important lesson for everybody. I think I've probably said this until my face turned blue for many years now, which is that I don't actually see what the point of going viral is. Like, I get it, but it's a very short-term goal. What do you do after that? Sure, you'll get all these followers, you do all this stuff, but depending on what you went viral for, what do you do after that? Wouldn't you rather just take that slow and steady route, take that consistent route, so that when you do get on, and there's a chance that you won't, but when you do get on, it's for just being you and for doing what you want, not for like some crazy, crazy antic. The gamble's yours, you know, to pursue this, everybody knows that. So there's a chance it won't work out, but I just don't know why virality is the thing that everybody wants. To Sharifa's point, you know, that there's some shady ways, that there were some shady ways in which to amass a following. I mean, that's still true today, fam. We, you know, we see you folks with 40,000 followers, but, you know, you ain't got no brand sponsorships, you're not signed, and you're still doing the same performances we're doing for free, so, hmm. Laugh out loud. I'm petty as fuck, what can I say? But this brings us to a great part of our conversation in which... We really started to get more of an idea of where Sharifa's head's at, no pun intended. She's very much, you know, about mental health and about taking care of yourself. Um, It's something that's very admirable about a person who's in her position. And so before we get into all of that, we were curious about how she balances her work and her life. Well, in terms of... Yeah, balancing, I don't. <laughs> um, I'm trying, <laughs> but it's really hard because um, it's just so many things all at once. And I'm I'm the type of person, if I'm not doing something perfectly or amazingly, I just won't do it at all. I'd rather just, you know, not half-ass it. Same, girl. Same. You know, it's it's crazy that we don't think about this too often, but the creative field is based off of feelings. It only goes forward based on how you feel. You know, that's not something that we admit too often, or it's something maybe that we admit so much that we forget it. You know, like it's so front of mind that we forget it. But all art comes from a place of a feeling. So what happens if you're not feeling good? So much of it is how I'm feeling creatively, not just like how I'm feeling like emotionally. It's like if I don't feel creative, if I don't feel like I'm inspired by something, it's so hard to do stuff and whatever I have created when I'm not feeling inspired it's always sucked I don't know I just have trouble because my everything I do is my feelings kind of lead me everywhere you know like some people are able to just like hustle and work because that's which is how their brains are brains are programmed but for me it's all about like how I'm feeling if I wake up one day I just know I'm gonna have a bad day it's one of those things like it's not like I'm trying to and I'm not being positive a lot of people are like you know just wake up and positive and you know like <laughs> do some meditation and it's like I can't do that 
literally, yes. I just had to interrupt her for a moment to just be like, yes, the pot, just shut the fuck up with your, just meditate. You'll be good. You'll be, think positive thoughts. Nah, nah, fam. That's not how the real world works. That's how people who are trying to build a career off of fraud and trying to take your loot. That's how televangelists work. That's not how the real shit works. All right, now back to Sharifa. You yeah. can't. Like, sometimes you wake up and you're just like, you tell yourself, you're yelling at yourself, do it, do it, do it. And I'm just like, you can't. And I just know it's going to be a bad day um, kind of thing. So my thing is I try to do as much as I can. And uh, I just kind of forgive myself. I, I, I'm trying to work on, like, not beating myself up so much over that. If, like, anytime I meet someone, they're always like, how do you do it? How do you do it all? And I'm just like what are you talking about? Like, who are you talking to? I don't understand. I feel like in every one of our interviews, I say, then they said the most profound shit. And I'm about to say it again. But seriously, this next thing Sharifa said is something that as I was listening back to the interview, I was like, fuck, I need to get this tattooed on myself because this is something that is so profound. It's so simple. And it's the hardest thing for me personally to deal with. You know, I'm not, I might not be perfect at everything, but where's the real failure? Profound, right? You feel like you're held up to the standard that you have to be perfect. And, and that comes from a lot of our upbringings, of course. Like, you know, if you get a 99, like, where's the extra point sort of mentality that our parents all had? But really, like, what's, what's the problem? Especially in the creative field, right? Like, I get why you do want to be perfect if you're, like, designing rocket engines that are going to take us to the moon and shit. That's, I get it. You know, I get that. But in the creative field, sometimes the best shit comes out of imperfection. So that it's just something that, that really struck with me. And, it, and, you know, life is all about imperfection. It's all about ups and downs. You know, sometimes you're good and sometimes you're not. It's one of those things where it's like sometimes it's it's good for a few months and then you have these times where you're just like, why? Well, I suck at everything. Like, I should just give up now. <laughs> kind of. But I, I just think that's that's just kind of how it is. Life, it, it's not like low and then you overcome it and then it's high forever. It's it's just up and down, up and down. And you kind of have to just go along with it um, and just keep trying your best. That's, that's all you can do. Sharifa definitely has a very grounded point of view about all of this. But when you're at the level that she's at, where you have like, you know, over 100,000 followers and and you've been the face of all these campaigns and things, there's probably people who just hit her up all the time and are like, yo, when are you releasing something? When are you not, you know, like when she's going through a low period, there's probably people who are hitting her up. But sometimes you, you can't, it's hard to tell every single person who's damning you like, hey, you know, be patient with me. I'm going to get there again. I just, I need that time. It's just one of those low moments. So bear with me. But It's another part of being, a, I guess, a celebrity, a social media celebrity, whatever you want to call it, that you start feeling obligated to all these people that like you, that follow you. So I used to really... I used to look at every single follower as like individual people and I have to please every single person kind of thing. And that kind of stuff drives you crazy. Um, so I, one of my friends um, actually told me this and she said it in such a way where I just had to pause for a second. She said, Sharifa, nobody really cares about you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but what she said, she was absolutely right. These are people who... You know, maybe for now they're inspired by you and they like what you're doing and stuff. But in the grand like scheme of things, they don't really care about you because they're never going to know you like personally like that. You know, um, as open as I am, 
no one's gonna know me. Um, and that's not to say like you know there aren't genuinely like amazing followers. I have some really like I think a very supportive, you know, following. But if I think about every single person like really caring about me and wanting to know what's going on and this and that, it'll drive me crazy. It's more important that I'm okay, that I'm mentally okay, and that comes first before anything else. Because no, nothing else matters if you know if you're not feeling. Good. If you're if you don't put yourself first, so every decision I make can't be about like, is this person gonna like it or that person? There's gonna be people who are gonna like what you do. There's gonna be people who are not gonna like what you do. Um, so the way I do it now is as long as I'm proud of it, as long as I like it, that's that's it. I think that's a really good way of taking back control. Once you start really getting out there and having so many followers and becoming known for something, you almost become a slave to it. I've had the opportunity to come around some of these people, you know, who've amassed huge followings. And sometimes it really does feel like they can't just be themselves because they have to worry about what will my followers think. And it seems like Sharifa really just has a good perspective uh, she's got a really good head on her shoulders, which great fucking segue again, Canal. Because let's talk about Armani and CoverGirl. The past few months, I've worked with Armani a few times, which is like what I, I remember when I first started um, YouTube. I was like, one day I'm gonna make enough money to buy an Armani foundation. <laughs> like that's the dream, you know? Like that was my dream, and now I have them like sending it to me for free, which is crazy, and paying me, like working with me. Um, I got contacted by CoverGirl to do uh, a campaign with them where they'd had, they chose like, I think four influencers and they'd have our pictures like in displays on, in stores, like drugstores across America. It was crazy. I was getting DMs from people all over the country with, and it was like this, they stepped into like their Rite Aid and it was a huge poster of me like a, a giant right. my face massive. and I was like what is going on it was that was probably the craziest thing and the best part I was in a coupon <laughs> like the Sunday it's like the, did you show your mom of like, course yeah, yeah, she was yeah. like what she was looking at it like what, what? She, I was like mom, it's a two dollar off coupon oh, yes <laughs> I was like the 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 coupons that I clip the Sunday paper that comes in and I look through I was looking through it, and there is my face on a coupon, two dollars off. I still have it. Um, you never used it. <laughs> of course not. Um, of course not. Um, no, I wanted to go and just be like, "Do you see the coupon?" I'm not going to use it, but do you see who's on it? <laughs> you know. I'd have been like, "I want to buy this product, but yeah. also not. I'm going to return." Yeah, it, so yeah. Give me just my <laughs> look, look, look over there. No, um, it was crazy, and then I actually saw the displays myself. I saw a smaller one in. Um, downtown like wall street around there and i went to the store and i was like screaming and i was like oh my god like that's me and i'm just it's no one's here to look like there was barely anyone in the store and i was like taking a picture with it it was yeah and then of course some creepy guy ruined it he came by and he was just like you look better in person and he just stood there, oh, okay. stood there for way too long and i was like okay sir thank you for ruining my moment goodbye <laughs> first off fuck that dude why why you gotta go why you gotta do that second you were on a coupon you're on a fucking coupon. It's just an amazing trajectory to go from that to then being the face of Cover Girl. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about makeup besides you put it on your face. That's that's about all I know about that. But I know enough that when I was younger, I don't really recall seeing colored models. I don't, I don't recall seeing black models, uh, brown models. I And I see them a little bit more now. Uh, but... 
that has to be a crazy feeling to go from being somebody who didn't have this person to look up to and was literally just trying things out on themselves and then became that person for other people to look up to. Uh, yeah, when I was little, it was always, I, I didn't know what I was doing in makeup because you, you, there wasn't anything where like, okay, this girl looks like me, so this these are the products right. for me kind of thing. It was, I was, you know, I wasn't even wearing foundation or anything because I didn't think I could because I yeah. didn't think I could find something that would even work for me. Um, and anytime I went somewhere, like I think in college was like the first time I even wore like foundation. Uh, when I went, they couldn't even like really match me, and I'm not even that hard like to yeah. match. I don't think, yeah. but no, yeah, they couldn't find something that would work for me, and it's just a big mess for sure. And I think it also comes with a lot of like um, just like self esteem in general when you like look at all these like you know blonde, blue eyed, white girls on, on displays. And, you know, they're wearing certain things. You don't think you can really wear them either. So I I didn't really wear a lot of makeup growing up. I just had, like, some eyeliner, which was, like, a very brown thing. (laughs) Like, you have to wear eyeliner. I don't know. Somewhere along the way, I think watching just those few people helped me. Like, the, the, I think, like, three or four handful of girls I was watching um, helped me to kind of take the leap and do it too. Just stepping out of that comfort zone to actually try new things. And... Then, you know, I was doing it and other girls were following me. And then now there's so many of us. There's so many South Asian influencers. It's amazing. And, you know, I think there's there's definitely still more work to be done in terms of, like, big, like, mass retailers and stuff, like, walking into Sephora and stuff and seeing there's still, like... You could, there's still more to be done, but for sure, it's amazing how far we've come. Um, but I definitely think there was a lot of insecurities, just not even just like makeup, like how my hair looked, and compared to like girls who had like straight hair and whatever, and all that stuff. So, um, and I definitely had moments where I wished I was like white. I was like, oh, yeah, oh what would sure. that be like? Because yeah. um, it, it just seemed like if you were white, everything was just like perfect like life was easier your pants were cooler you know you could do more stuff like yeah but now um it's amazing because there's so many south asian people doing so much being represented not just beauty but like all sorts of other industries just shout out to to being a white person it's it's got to be such a great feeling just like waking up every morning and being like i'm white like that that's got to be that's got to be fantastic uh, but when Sharifa reaches the pantheon here, the top of the top, like she's not just, I said before that I'm seeing more South Asian, more South Asian, more colored representation in the whole beauty world model world. And I realized there's a caveat to that. I, I, I'm not necessarily seeing that in like print magazines, not that there are a lot of print magazines, but I'm not seeing them in a lot of like huge campaigns. Sometimes I see them. Mostly I'm seeing a lot of people that are trying to be models and trying to be makeup gurus or whatever you want to call them and stuff. So Sharifa's reached this level. What do her parents think? So my dad has no idea what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, yeah, he, sometimes he asks like, what do, you, what do you do at home all day? And I was like, just stuff here and there. And he's like, okay. And makes you money? I was like, yeah, Okay cool and that's that's our conversation my mom has been trying to get me to like 
she's really funny because on one hand she really because she this is not a traditional career like it still really doesn't have a name (laughs) like most of us don't know what to call ourselves like just I think recently we were like I think we're content creators like that's yeah but for the most of the time like the past five years when someone asked me what I did I was like I don't marketing (laughs) you know um so my parents still really don't know that this can be like a thing um and my mom was just thinking that I was, like, just putting on makeup and, you know, leaving my son on the floor to fend for himself or something. Like, that's what I was doing. So she was more concerned about, like, my parenting. (laughs) Yeah, my son. He's like, where is he, like, in a ditch somewhere? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, no. Um, But then she would, like, these moments where, like, the cover girl, she would see the coupon and she'd be like, what? And she'd be like, this is, like, a real thing. And all the free makeup I would get. She was like, stop buying stuff. And I'm like, I'm not buying this. And she was like, oh, okay, can I get that? And then, you know, um, just like that stuff. And it's like she, I think she just kind of fights with herself. My mom's one of those, she's like, she wants us to be happy, but then her, like, upbringing stops her from, like, really fully supporting us because she doesn't think it's going to... Just, like, innate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So I don't think she really understands. I've tried to explain, but at this point, I've kind of given up trying to explain to them. I just do what I do. I know I'm not doing something, like, you know, that would hurt them in any way. It's like, you know, but thankfully, they're not on Instagram or anything like that. My mom just has a Facebook. My dad watches a lot of YouTube videos. I'm I'm afraid one one day my video will be suggested to him. But most of what he watches are, like, these weird Bengali, like, dub dub comedy things where it's, like, it's just very weird yeah. comedy stuff that he watches. It makes yeah. no sense. So I don't think YouTube will suggest my videos, yeah. hopefully. Based on his recent Based on videos. his, yeah. And if you follow Sharifa at all, you know that she is married. She does have a kid. So, how, you know, how does that all work? Like, is her husband out there taking the photos? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I've tried to get him involved, um, try to make him like an Instagram husband. I've seen he, him in he, some vlogs. Yeah. yeah, he's totally cool he's with really being funny. in. Yeah, he's totally cool with being in any all that stuff. But he's just like, like I said, I try to make him like my Instagram husband and be one of those. I was like, we're gonna be like a power couple. You're gonna take my pictures. We're gonna like travel the world together. Like it was awful. He's useless. Dark, he's yeah. he he's useless. Um, yeah. So I fired him. I had to get a, a good. <laughs> I had to get an actual photographer, and he's like, why? You know, let's. Why would you you know spend the money? I could do it for you. I'm like, really, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. You're taking pictures from like up here, making me look. I'm two feet tall. Like, I can't. I, I literally just told him, like, yesterday. I'm like, you, you do nothing for me. <laughs> like, like, take a photography class or something. Like, help me. But no, nothing. Nothing. Oh, my goodness. But, no, he's he's really cool about everything. But we're stuff, we're, our things are, like, very separate. Like, he does his business. I do my work. And then we come home and just family, our son. Like, we try to focus on that. And I think that's really important to, like, keep that away from, you know, I, too much public and the whole Instagram thing. Like, so much of that is, like, phony. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to. If you guys didn't know, Sharifa got married at the age of 18. Happily married, I might add. I think we can all agree that that's pretty not common these days. And so she actually had some really great insight into what that experience was like. So I, I think about this a lot because now that I'm 30, I think about, you know, my parents, I, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was arranged, but also, like, we got to know each other. We chose it and stuff. And so, you know, I can never say to my parents, like, you forced me to get married or anything like that. I can't because I did, you know, choose to get married. I wanted to. And I remember at that time, you know, being, like, really happy and, you know, wanting to and 
just being happy overall. But now as a 30, I look back and I was like, I was so young. Child, yeah. yeah, I was essentially a kid. Mm-hmm. What the hell were my parents thinking, you know? What was going through your <laughs> yeah. mind? Like, and my mom said sometimes, um, you know, when I get in these ways where it's like, life gets overwhelming and stuff I'll tell her like what were you thinking you know she's like what you wanted to you wanted to more than anything and I was like okay if if I wanted to just like run away to like another country and live there would you have said okay sure because you want to getting married young I mean that can go any which way it can either end up really awesome or it can probably end up really horrible I'm glad that in Sharifa's case it ended up awesome you know she has a great husband who it uh, doesn't help her, similar to maybe how me and Rhea are. And then she also has a beautiful son. But I assume that sacrifices must have been made. My anxiety really got bad in the middle of college. So maybe, I think like maybe if I got to do all these things, maybe my anxiety wouldn't have happened. Like especially I feel like when you don't do anything and you just like are afraid to do everything, more fear yes. gets on top of that. You know, so maybe if I... Like, I look at my sisters and stuff. She, like, college and now she traveled everywhere. You know, she did everything she wanted. So she's, like, not afraid of anything. So if I, maybe if I did that, I wouldn't be as scared as I am now. And I would be able to, you know, establish my career even beforehand, even be even, like, more successful. I have done a lot of things that I didn't get to do that a lot of people my age have gotten to do and still somehow end up with, my same kid as he wasn't, you know, like, if I could do that, but you can't do that with life. And there's no point in thinking about all that. In bending to our parents' will, and whether they're overbearing or whether we're actually going along with it, because that that absolutely can happen, and them being overbearing isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it leads to, you know, you being very dedicated and very persistent, as we've heard in a lot of our interviews. But what that removes is choice. And using the word overbearing might be the wrong word. I'm, I'm not sure. But just the way that a lot of us know that our parents sometimes remove the choice for us. I've thought about it sometimes because, it, you know, as Sharifa describes it, she ended up different from her siblings. Some of her siblings maybe possessed that innate pushback where she didn't have that early on or didn't even want that. You know, I've thought about that in my own life sometimes where I ended up a certain way. My brother ended up a certain way. And for lack of a better word, it's really interesting to see how that removal of choice takes people down different paths. I feel like so much, so much of my life was is not my choice, not really my choice. And it, it, it's not even that it turned out bad. It's like that option, you know, yeah, like absolutely. you lo- like not you feeling like you didn't have that power, that control over your own life and things just happen to you rather than you doing things. Like, it's like this weird feeling. Um, so I did dwell on it a lot. Um, and again, like, you know, having a kid and having trying to juggle everything and seeing other people who don't have, you know, children and they're not married so they can just kind of do whatever, you know, yeah. fly off to somewhere and, you know, shoot content if they want. They can just leave. Like, I have to plan my day based on, like, my son's schedule, his school and everything. So all that is tough, but how I how it ended up was great. So I can't really complain. I, so I'm trying to think more presently, but... Yeah, for sure. I can't. I, I I won't lie and say. I even like made a video where I was just like, I would not recommend anybody to get married, even if I ended up with a great husband and you know a son and all this stuff. But 
I would never recommend anyone to get married that young. Yeah. Like, wait till you're maybe, wait till you know who you are. It's it's nice at one point because I've, I've grown up with him, basically. And I feel like we, you know, like, we started from, like, nothing. We were, like, two broke college students to where we are now. It's, like, when you look back on that, it's, like, really amazing to have someone to share that with and grow with. But at the same time, it's, like, you had to... Uh, at an age where you're really supposed to be selfish and you, you're supposed to be thinking about what you want and your dreams and things like that, having to take into so- someone else's f- the consideration, someone else's feelings and their family's feelings and this and that, it's, it's a lot. It's right. a lot. And it's extremely uh, almost traumatizing for like an 18 year old to have to go through that. And I, I just don't want anyone to, you know, romanticize getting young. So, like, I mean, getting married so young. Because I do, I get comments like, oh my god, you have like such a perfect life and you got married so young. I kind of want to get married so young too. And I'm like, you better not. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? It's great to see that Sharifa's situation turned out in such a positive way. Like I said, she's got a great husband, great, you know, great kid. She's learned how to handle everything, the different families and stuff. But it's also great to see that she has a real, real perspective on it in that it could have gone a different way. And it took her a long time to to figure out, you know, how good she is by herself. Yeah, things are like a little bit delayed. Like I've done things kind of backward. Now I feel like I'm finally at that point where I'm like, I feel confident. I feel like I'm <coughs> becoming the person I am. And so that brings us to what it seems like is the main focus of Sharifa's life now, which is kind of combating that feeling that we all get that, I think for most of us in our generation, at least, like first generation, I think is what they call it. Are we first generation? It's confusing. I don't know if we're first or second. If you, I swear to God, I'm not stupid, but if you look up definitions online, it can go either way. There's different perspectives. So anyways, people in my age group, and if you know my age group, what's up? We deal with a lot of this exact issue, which is we didn't really have the freedom to find out who we were early For on. most of my life, like even when I was younger, 18, college, whatever, I did not like who I was, you like, know? I feel like me in my 30s, early 30s, is when I finally felt comfortable being me. I wish I had that, that, that time to really like myself, love myself, and be proud of who I was, like the person I was. So I definitely understand what Sharif is saying, and now we get to what I think is the focus of her career, of her, of her life at the moment, uh, which is mental health. Mental health is just something, it's just not taken seriously. It's still not. And like, I'm, you know, very active on social media. So when I go on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and stuff, it seems like, wow, like everyone's talking about mental health. It seems like everyone in the world has anxiety, you know, it's, but it's also amazing because like most people do have some sort of like anxiety, like whether it's, you know, an actual disorder, you'd have to you know, obviously get diagnosed. I feel like sometimes people throw around, like, depression too much, you know? Like, oh, my God, I'm so depressed. But, like, it's it's an actual, you know, it's an illness. You have to actually get checked and stuff. But um, I think it's still, though, it's amazing that people are talking about it, you know? But then, really, it's not changing at, at all in the South Asian community. Like, it's it just, it's, it's still like the same talk. Right? It's yeah. Like talked, but not enough action. No, exactly. It, it's like some people are talking about it. When, when you when you kind of turn off the of the phone and you like turn to your family, they're not. They still don't take it seriously. I definitely agree with Sharifa that a lot. You know, a lot of times 
I'm really dumbfounded and surprised by the sheer amount of people who seem to have depression or anxiety nowadays, right? So I think that the way that I think about it is there's definitely people who have issues that talk about it. Then there's people who can't talk about it because they're not ready to do that just yet and they're suffering from real issues. And then there's that last bucket of people who just use mental health as a way of staying relevant. And I think that's, to be frank, disgusting. The one thing that remains, though, is that not enough people are taking action. Sharifa, in her own life, has found a way to battle her anxiety. And one of my biggest things is like uh, getting over my social anxiety and talking in front of people. And I thought, what better way <laughs> than to speak in front of a lot of people right. and be scared shitless? Yeah, Sharifa's tackled the shit head on. She decided, I have anxiety, I don't like speaking in front of people, and so I'm going to speak in front of people. And she's gone on to be a keynote speaker at various events in the tri-state area talking about mental health. Actually, it was amazing because like, at the Bengali mental health movement, um, there was like, I think, three adults. Everyone was like, you know, younger people like us, but there was like three... We're adults. What am I no, saying? Right, no, right. I'm like, there's three adults. Hold on. <laughs> I still don't see myself as... It's so weird. No. But anyway, like older, you know, yeah. uncles and aunties. And the uncle, he actually came up to me and he was just like, it's amazing um, what you're doing. I think more people should talk about this. And I was just like, can you talk to my dad? Like, can I give you his number? Can you, uncle, That's can you talk? Call my dad? Like, it, it was so nice. But it, there was only like three of them, you know? It was just still... Three people. I would have thought that there would be zero older people they're talking about mental health. And that's because our community doesn't really talk about mental health, especially not the older generation. They kind of, I mean, think about it. If you pause this podcast for a second and go ask your parents, what's psychology? What's psychiatry? What kind of answer do you think you'll even get? Just look at what happened when Sharifa told her mom what she was majoring in. Okay, for college, I was a freaking psychology major, man. I told her so much time I wanted to be a therapist. And she, you know, she was like, yeah, okay, great. Are you going to get, get your master's in it? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my master's. Like, I think a month before I graduated, I was talking to her about it. And she was just like, oh, I, I, I went to, uh, I have to go to a therapist for my leg. And I was like, what? And she was like, you know, my physical therapy. And I was like, I'm not doing physical therapy, ma. It's oh, the mind. It. And I'm like, you've been thinking All for four years that I'm, I'm doing physical therapy. Do you not know me? Do you know my name? Like, what? <laughs> That is phenomenal. Yeah, so so I just want to give you an idea how seriously I'm taken in my family. Um, so that's what oh she thought. She thought I was doing physical therapy. And then when I told her, Ma, no, it's, 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 it's like talking therapy. And she's like, what the hell was that going to do for people? Yeah, Sharifa's mom. What has talking ever done for the world? I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on that. So then what's the solution? And what's the solution for the older generation? And I think the only way to change it is for our generation to speak up. It, right. Which is really sad because I think one of the, the people who really need it the most are our parents. People yeah. are parents' age. Sharifa then goes on to talk about how her father has had certain issues throughout his life that she's noticed, that she's become aware of, and how she doesn't even know who to recommend for him to talk to. But then it's like, what therapist am I going to recommend to him? I don't even know like that many yeah. Bengali-speaking therapists out there. So I think, A, we need to get more more people who, you know, from South Asian backgrounds in the field, you know, to actually study it and do it. I, there's a lot of them who are interested in it. But again, like people like my mom who don't think it's a serious thing, um, 
if you're not encouraged to do it, obviously you're not going to, you know, pursue it. But I think there are slowly more and more people going into the psych field. So that's amazing. And then we need to push our parents to like get help. It's, it's, and it's not like, because they think it's like, I'm not crazy, you know, like, and it's not a crazy thing. It's just like, you know, sometimes feelings get too much and sometimes, you know, and like my mom's idea of like helping me anytime you know things get emotional whatever is like to just do a prayer and blow on me and you know like that's her response and yeah <laughs> I don't want to offend any religious people but like no, but yeah absolutely but that's not you know you that you need to actually do something some of these things like you need medication for you know you need to see an actual doctor they say if someone's leg is broken you're not gonna say just it's okay just you know like feel better you're not gonna you're gonna get them help so if someone's mind is broken essentially you know you're gonna tell them to get help not just like get over it or say a prayer like that's not what is that really gonna do i don't know which one is more dangerous and simultaneously makes me laugh more whether it's the people who think that religion will fix your broken knee by itself all by itself and they just do their whatever that is that Rhea's family does, or if it's the people like my dad, who's a medical doctor, who to this day, if my neck is broken, will say, you're fine. So anyways, all that aside, what we ended up really appreciating about Sharifa was that she uses her platform for something. You know, a lot of us go on Instagram, we go on Snapchat, Facebook, none of us go on Facebook anymore, but we all see these picture-perfect lives, these influencers who have these picture-perfect lives. Everything is just always perfect, and it can hurt you, whether, you know, that's consciously or subconsciously. You know, even a person like me, you know, I'm strong. I'm, I, I say fuck you to everybody. Like, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. But, yo, you see some shit sometimes, and you're just like, damn, they're really living the life. Sharifa has taken it upon herself to use her platform to bring visibility to mental health. And to show people that everything isn't sunshine and rainbows all the time. And she can still help you choose your foundation. Even talking about it, I have a platform, you know? And, uh, you know, at first I was really iffy about, like, talking about it because, you know, I want to keep things pretty and, you know, nice and happy. And sometimes people don't want to come online and see sad stuff. But then at the same time... It's like, it's such a disservice, I feel. It's like, what the hell is the point of having all these followers if I'm not doing something positive with it? Like During the interview, Sharifa gave us one example of how she's done this. It, w- it was really funny because Rhea deals with this same exact phobia. Sharifa didn't know how to drive for a really long time. And she put her entire process of getting her license, of learning to drive, all of that on Instagram. And she was afraid at first because she thought people would just be like, you're so stupid. But... She found out there were a lot of people who had the same exact issue and they were following her along with her journey and people started DMing her and telling her, you're the reason why I got my license. And that kind of stuff is what really makes me love this job, you know? Right. Um, this superficial stuff, it's nice, it's fun, I love doing it, it's creative, I, I love creating things, but it's really that stuff that it's like, I, w- I want to make things better, even if it's for one person. And things like that showed her that you really could use your platform for something else. Not to say that there weren't some detractors. I had one person was like, what's the big deal? Blocked. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Helping and mental health are a big part of what Sharifa is focused on. So if you're curious about what the process of finding a therapist is like, what therapy is like, she had a few words about that too. But therapy is one of those things you can't just go to one person and think like, okay, like, 
you know, the first step is to get help and seek therapy, but then also know that it might not work. I had a friend who said she went to therapy and it didn't work out and, you know, she's still really having a hard time. And I was like, so did you find someone else? And she was like, no, I thought there's something wrong with me. Like, I thought, I think, I just think it was me. I'm like, no, if you go to therapy and it's not working for you, you're not the problem. It's not even that the therapist is a problem. It just might mean that you're not, it's not a good match. They just don't get you. And her hope for those that are seeking help. I hope whoever's listening, like if, if they have something going on, they don't have to talk about it to a bunch of strangers online. It's, you know, obviously not necessary and stuff, but there's a lot of people going through probably what they're going through. I've grown up for a long time thinking I was alone in most of my feelings, like the things I had. I thought I really thought I was like some wacko, <laughs> like, I was like something is wrong with me. Um, and then after opening up, it's like, one, the funny thing is like one of the reasons like I get a lot of people follow and like my skits do well and stuff. It's like relatable. People relate yeah. to me. But it's funny because every time I, I, I create those videos, I think like nobody's going to get this. But then there's so many people who are like, oh my God, me too. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So, <laughs> same. So, yeah. So it's like there's so many people who are probably doing what you're doing. So just be honest, you know. It, it's hard, but like that little bit of honesty could not just help you. It could help someone else. Who's I have that. beyond an admiration for Sharifa actually using her platform to try and help people and for being honest while doing it. I mean, and, and that sounds like the simplest thing on the planet. Why, like, why isn't that the default position that people should just be honest? What, what is the purpose of using so much energy to show something fake? So then speaking of honesty, and to bring this back to a lighter note, I mentioned some time back that Sharifa was battling her own anxiety by speaking in front of crowds but also doing stand-up. And the weeks leading up to it, I was just like, I'm going to back out, I want to back out, I want to back out, I can't do it, I can't do it. You know, I had everything, you know, I rehearsed and all of that, but I was just like, I, I'm going to suck. Like, I'm, my skits are not going to translate in person. It, it's just going to suck, and they're going to boo me and everything, and I, I was really going to back out. And then... Oh my God. So did she fucking flame out? Did she just, did she just fall off her stool? Was she drinking the water on stage and just choked on it? Like how bad did she do? But actually went really well. And the second one went pretty well too. Um, except for the part where I forgot that I finished my oh, set yeah, and I just yeah. stood there like, yeah. uh, I'm oh, I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so I forgot that, but it was okay. Um, even that nobody noticed. Like there was a few people, followers who were there and they were like, oh, I didn't even notice that. So it's yeah. just like, if for me, I was like, oh my God, I've been standing here for an hour yeah. just silently. But no, it was like two <laughs> seconds, barely. She's become a very well-known social media model influencer. She talks about mental health. She's now pursuing stand-up comedy and continues doing her very, very funny skits. What's the best thing about it? The best is being able to connect to so many people, like at the one time. It's just crazy how like global it is and I mean this isn't this isn't something I jumped up because I didn't think this was possible growing up this wasn't like a, a, a possibility that you know anyone was like oh yeah when I grow up I want to be a content creator even though probably kids now say that but when I was growing up that wasn't an option but to have a, a place where I can do all the things I want to do I can act and do makeup and be creative and whatever I, I literally can do whatever I want because it's my page it's my platform I can post whatever I want and just to have that is amazing and to have like essentially a global audience is so cool 
And does she have doubts? Um, there's so many times I've like, oh my God, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. They're going to say this. And I post it and like literally nobody cares. Like I said, like nobody really, nobody's taking you that seriously. Nobody's thinking that nobody's like going through their day. Like what is Sharifa doing? You know, like, no. So, um, I think the, I think that getting, getting so in your head and overthinking and it's essentially sometimes it feels like a huge popularity contest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, what do I have to do to be more popular? Like, I maybe I have to be, like, that person or that. So you can get a lot of insecurities. Um, but I think that's why it's important to have, like, a good, like, home base, like, support right. system. Life outside like, life outside of it. Some people, yeah. their like, whole life is yeah. social media. And, yeah, so I have siblings who, like well, tell me, you're nobody, you're not important, <laughs> calm down. They like, will ground you, right, your family? They will ground me, they will ground me, you know, they're like, you know, I don't know why people follow you looking like what you look like, you know? So it's nice to have that to keep you centered. And Leave it to your brown-ass family to shit on you for all your numerous accomplishments, no matter what they are. Same, girl, same. And so with all these accomplishments, everything that she's doing, all this visibility that she has, there must be a downside sometimes. In the industry, like everyone will tell you, you have to respond within a day. You have to post every single day, do this, do that. Like my manager's always like on top of me, like be consistent. But sometimes I just need to breathe. <laughs> like, and, and people say, like, you know, if it's, like, a real job, you know, you can't just, like, stay away from your, you know, turn off your real job or whatever. It's like, yeah, well, it's a real job, but it's also a very flexible. Like, you know, yeah. I'm, I make my rules, so I can do that. Sorry. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You know? Screw <laughs> you. Um, yeah. Like, they're just mad, obviously. But it's like, I can turn it off, actually. Yeah. And no one's going to fire me because I'm my own boss. <laughs> Ha! You know, the funniest part about that whole thing is that there are people out there who tell you you can't turn your job off. Let me tell you, I work with shitheads all the time who literally, I don't know what they do. You must just fucking sit at your desk all day and do nothing until 4.30 p.m. and then pass everything off. So, like, really more power to you, Sharifa. Like you are your own boss, do what you need to breathe when you want to. Cause all these other people out here are just fake busy themselves too. Okay. So Sharifa's Bengali. So her inspiration must be Rabindranath Tagore, right? I feel like he was a master at applying makeup too. Definitely when I was starting, I had like, like I said, the OG kind of like mm-hmm. South Asian influencers, um, like Farah Tukai and Koshal, um, Irene. So they definitely inspired me a lot to like, <coughs> I was like, you know, I see these brown girls doing it. I can do it too. That kind of thing. So they definitely influenced me and um, started me off. Nowadays, I actually try not to be influenced yeah. by other people because it yeah. again it, it messes with you and so i had this question that time they're like you know who who um inspires you who's your hero in your life and i was like i have no one <laughs> all the time i don't have one because i didn't grow up thinking that i would be here so i wasn't looking for a yeah. mentor slash hero yeah I was like, everyone's like, your mom? I'm like, my mom's batshit. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, my mom. She needs to come. Exactly. Like, in terms of, you know, like, people say, my mom, she always, like, you know, pushed me to be. And I'm like, my mom pushed me not to do what I want. (laughs) Not not to do what I'm doing. So I can't. I love you, mom, but I 
Yeah, like, you know? it doesn't decrease my love for my family, but, like, no, I'm sorry, they're not really my role models. And, yeah. Like, still yeah. respect them just as much, but... And exactly what you yeah. said, like, growing up, you didn't think you were going to be here, yeah, so it's not yeah. like you had something in your head where, like, I want to be, like, this person. Exactly. I think those two illustrated beautifully something that I've felt throughout my life, too, that I didn't quite know how to explain, which is people undoubtedly will ask you, who's your inspiration? And honest to God, I never had a name pop into my head whenever somebody asked me, because I, you know, I make music, I do a bunch of different things, but nobody ever popped into my head. And I never knew why. I thought maybe that was very egotistical of me that I was like, I'm the best. I'm my own inspiration. But really, subconsciously, deep down, it was because (laughs) no one supported me and I was sad. So it's at this point during the interviews that I usually just ask, do you consider yourself successful? Oh, God, it's so hard. I, I've only recently, like, today. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the car. Yeah, I've only recently, like, I think someone else asked me that not too long ago, and I was like, I, I have to say yes. Like, I, I almost have to force myself to say yes, because it's like, what it, what what do you define, you know, like, you, you're, you're doing really great in your field, you know, you're making a living like I, I yeah I guess I am and what advice do you have for a person like me what kind of shade of lipstick should I be rocking yeah I think the biggest mistake that people do is thinking about it too much and just not doing it I was nervous to post that first picture I was nervous to post that first video of everything but if I didn't do it I would have been here so if you're listening, just do it now. <laughs> Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, if you want to do what I'm doing, it doesn't have to be a perfect photo. It doesn't have to be a perfect video. You don't have to know everything about sound and lighting and whatever. Just post whatever you can and make sure you're being as much as yourself as you are comfortable with. And that's it. Facts, 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 Big facts, old school facts with the nine-digit phone number, and you have to scan both sides facts. That is a fantastic way to end this episode because, in my personal opinion, really and truly, I don't give a fuck about your ideas. I care about if you execute them. And I think that's similar to what Sharifa is saying. People have tons of ideas. We have ideas all the time, but nothing matters unless you execute and unless you get the shit started. And like she said, it doesn't have to be perfect. When you start, just just start, you know? Eventually, you do need to focus on making sure you're fucking good at your craft and you're perfecting it. But don't be afraid to just start and be imperfect. And sometimes your imperfections are perfect. You feel me? I'm like Dr. Seuss out here. So anyways, that didn't even rhyme, but it made sense. Thank you, Sharifa, for allowing us to graciously interview you. Thank you for driving out to find us. Um, because I didn't realize we would have just came to your house. We would have just came somewhere that was walkable from you. I didn't realize that you were, you know, you had some anxiety about driving, but I'm so thankful that you got past it and you got over to us and you spent some time with us. Thank you for the little gift bags you gave us because you are a fucking nice person. And we hope all you MMT folks go out, follow her, go see what she's doing, go support her. You need to support more people like this. They're actually using their platforms to do things. Bye. Survivors is the brainchild of myself and Rhea Bomick, where we shine a light on the lives of successful brown creatives you may not have heard of before. We conduct and edit all interviews, Rhea composes the music, and our friend Kush mixes it all down. 
There's no training to this. It's all grassroots. If you know anybody that we should feature, if you want to help, reach out. Simple as that.